time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Hey, this is Lee Bauckham, and welcome to the Thrivology Podcast. Today, it is my pleasure to have a conversation with Christine Carlson. Chris is uh, somebody that's been on my podcast before. She was on about four years ago and is back because she has a new book coming out that I found to be extraordinary. If you don't know about Chris, uh, she is a New York Times bestselling author, speaker, and leader in the field of transformation. She collaborated with her late husband, Dr. Richard Carlson, who you probably know as the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff person, uh, which has more than 25 million copies in circulation out there somewhere. Uh, Chris, also wrote in that series. Uh, she was both partner with Richard as he was doing his work, but Chris also wrote uh, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff in Love uh, along with Richard. And she also wrote Don't Sweat the Small Stuff for Women uh, and for Moms. And she has also written some books after Richard's very tragic death. She wrote Heartbroken Open, a memoir through loss to self-discovery. And now she's uh, got a new release called From Heartbreak to Wholeness, The Hero's Journey to Joy. Now, in this book, she offers a process for healing that goes way beyond the common prescriptions for getting through the pain of heartbreak of all kinds. And she takes the reader really by the hand and gives them a life-altering map for navigating the journey from loss to joy, one that can really bring them back to a deep sense of life, of living, and of, of being joyful in life. Chris has uh, live events around the world and right now is doing the What Now Retreat and uh, has others like the Women's Wisdom and Yoga Retreat and others. She's been on lots of TV shows and I'm just so thankful that she's here. Uh, she's served on the board of directors of the and the, also with the Global Leadership Council for Challenge Day. She is a member of the Association of Transformational Leaders and has really done a lot of work in the world to give back, to, to bring light into the world. I hope that you'll enjoy this podcast and notice that there, if you're on my website, you'll see that there are links to uh, her material, to her website, so that you can make sure you get the resources. Today, we're going to talk about how you move through loss, like any loss, not just like a tragic death, but divorce or loss of a job or loss of a house in the midst of a disaster. And then we talk about how we can sometimes get stuck in what uh, keeps us back, what holds us in grief, things like retroactive control and allowing the thoughts, the memories to, to hold us back until we understand the nature of that so we can find a way through it. So with that, let's have a conversation with Chris. Chris, I am so happy you're back. This is uh, four years later, and um, I've watched your your stuff. I know that you have continued to move through a process, and so I'm very excited to have you back partly because I loved our, uh, our chatting last time and I, know I heard lots of feedback about you know people who were dealing with, with loss. But more than that, you have a new book out. And so I want us to talk some about um, kind of the lessons along the way. But since not everybody has heard that four years ago, that's a long time in podcast world. Can you talk a little bit about your own story? How did you get to here? Hey, Lee. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on again. It's a pleasure to talk to you and to your listeners, too. So, yeah, so four years ago, I was in a different place than I am today, as most people are um, on their journey through loss. Um, but for those of you who don't know about my story, 
I am probably most known for um, my contribution and um, also my marriage to Dr. Richard Carlson, who wrote Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. So my contribution to that book series was um, a few books in the series as his co-author and also um, on my own. And, you know, about uh, 12 years ago now, Richard was, um, we were just living our lives like anybody, you know, we were in our mid forties, um, our kids were in high school and Richard was on a book tour and he was on a flight to New York. And on the descent of that flight, he um, died from a pulmonary embolism. Uh, that is a blood clot that runs um, up your leg and explodes in your lung mm. and is basically instant, very instant death. Um, so you can imagine um, at that stage of our lives in our mid-40s, we really, I mean, this kind of really came out of the complete blue. You know, we just really didn't um, have any true idea. I mean, I, I could tell that Richard wasn't feeling well a couple of days before the flight, but um, and he suffered from some back problems. But other than that, you know, he was a, a thriving man and very, you know, super light, super thriving. And, and our lives were really busy, really in the thick of raising our daughters and, you know, just, you know, our mid-40s. So. At any rate, you know, that really catapulted my daughters and I and Richard's family and my family and everyone who knew him um, into grief, of course. he was It was an incredible loss to us and an incredible loss to the world. Um, he was a profound teacher and healer and, you know, psychologist and, and really made an enormous contribution to the planet through his work. And um, But me, to me personally, you know, it was the largest loss for me and my girls because, you know, he's the, my husband and the father to our to my children, to our children. So, um, yeah, so I, you know, of course, like anyone, I went through, um, a tremendous process of healing. I call it a process of healing because when we go through loss of any kind, um, it can leave us feeling very wounded. And I think, you know, people aren't a lot different than animals, the way we respond to loss. You know, we kind of want to go run underneath and hide under a tree for a while, you know, and, and deal with the shock and the disbelief and all the different um, aspects of grief that we go through. And, and I say in order to heal, you know, because suddenly now, you know, you've had this full life and this puzzle and this history with somebody and, or in any case, um, it could be a house or a career or any kind of thing. It's not just a person, but you have this identity that's built up and um, wrapped around um, this thing or this person. And suddenly that's gone and it leaves you definitely in an identity crisis. And I was no different. Yeah. That, when I was uh, it stu first studying about uh, death and grief, uh, one of my professors made the analogy that uh, grief is like um, having to reweave the fabric. You, the fabric of your life mm -hmm. has been torn. Something's been torn out of it, and you've got this hole, and you're working to uh, reweave it. And, and that's been your process for sure. And, and uh, I know for many of us, I mean, um, I knew about your husband for uh, you know, all of his authorship, and he was at the top of that. In fact— 
was working on that. I mean, he was on a business trip presenting his ideas, kind of helping yep. bring light to the world when the darkness yep. came to your life. Um, yep. So quite a quite a loss for all of us, and, and I know for you. And uh, we talked some about that last time, and so I, I'm aware of um, how much you – uh, that there was a soulmate connection between the two of you that um, yeah. is is a bigger tear than for some. But what you just talked about is the fact that this grief, uh, the way we do grief is the way we do grief, not just about mm-hmm. death, but throughout life. And so talk some about um, how that process unfolded. I love your you pulled in some uh, Joseph Campbell, a uh, little mythology yeah, about moving to totally. the, the hero uh, piece. So talk some about how that shift ha- happens for you and for others going from victim to hero. How does that how does that happen? Well, you know, that is really the profound choice I feel that we make. Um, and you can make it at any time. You know, I like to say to people who realize that they've been feeling victimized by their circumstances, I'll say that's very normal, you know, that whenever something super dramatic and traumatic and shocking happens to your life, I think everyone feels somewhat victimized at first, but there is a pivot turn toward healing that has to happen. And that's when you realize that you cannot sit in victimhood of your circumstances That if you sit as a victim of your circumstances very long, that just becomes the way you start to view your life and you'll never really recover. And that's sort of the premise of my book is from heartbreak to wholeness, the hero's journey to joy. Because as I um, unravel Joseph Campbell's legacy of work and the hero's journey, while my book isn't a true depiction of the hero's journey, I started to see the parallels of how a person heals when they choose to be the hero of their own story, when you choose to be the hero amidst, you know, some horrendous circumstances that you might be facing. It's a little bit like um, the metaphor of the phoenix rising out of the ashes. You know, like you, you almost have to take that stand. You really do have to take that stand in order to step into a healing journey. And now that doesn't mean that strength means that you don't grieve or that you don't feel your feelings, or that you fall into like suddenly into the positive just to um, overcome the negative. It means that you step into the journey, that you embrace the journey, and that you understand that this is a huge part of what it means to have a human life. Mm. You know, that we have great triumphs in life, and we have great loss. And both are can be complete magical journeys to our existence. But in order to really gain the growth that can happen and the wake, the um, awakened state that can happen, I believe that we must step into the journey as the hero. Mm-hmm. And that's why I chose that path for this book of healing. Yeah, it's a, it's a great analogy. I think sometimes people um, get stuck in the wordage, you know, and it's possible yeah. for uh, somebody to be um, a victim of events without taking on the role of victim. And and you're talking about the shift of role, not whether, for instance, with this event, you had nothing to do with it. There's no responsibility, no part that you played in what happened to Richard. And, and a lot of yeah. times that's true for everybody. Sometimes we, in other events, have some piece of the puzzle. You know, if we're in a marriage that's not working well and we're not, we're part of the not working well, we might have some responsibility 
And so what you're talking about really is not the events and being a victim of events, but the That's role. a great clarification. Thank you. Yeah, that's a very beautiful clarification. Um, yeah, I mean, because of course, when bad things happen to you, you know, you're a victim in that, in that kind of way. But yeah, you're exactly right. I'm talking about really your agreement with reality, you know, and that means like, how are you going to choose hmm. to step into your journey of healing? So that's really where you, you either become victimized by your circumstances as the victim, or you say, yes, this terrible negative thing did happen. It did in fact happen to me, but I'm going to step into it and I'm going to open myself to the growth. I'm going to open myself to healing. I'm going to open myself um, to the grief even. Mm -hmm. So, uh, which leads me to this place. I, I kind of feel like there's this path, you know, something bad happens and you're, you come out of the aftermath of that. You're trying to deal with the aftermath and then you get to this fork in the road. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder for you, what was that fork? Where did you have to make the decision of whether to, um, you know, you, you talk about some not, I don't like the term wallowing in it, but you were, you know, you were in your grief and, and being overcome by that and, and, um, feeling it. And at some point you get to choose, do you continue down that where you get stuck in that role or you choose this, what you, you're terming the hero journey? What happened at that fork? How did you, where did you get to that fork and how did you choose? Well, you know, I was pretty fortunate that I feel that I chose early on, you know, because um, I think it's just because I had this incredible background, you know, of, of living with Richard, being exposed to so much personal growth and psychology. And, you know, we had a, a series of principles that we lived by that are all throughout the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff books. And so I was, you know, I also was really supported. I had you know, John Walshans, he wrote Awaken from Grief. I had great friends that were all psychologists and in the healing world. I mean, I was really probably the most supported person that there ever was in going through this loss. So I had a lot of mentoring um, to lead me, which is one of the reasons why I really wanted to give back to other people, because I realized that most people wouldn't have these tools or these people around them. But I did. And I was, I was, you know, blessed to be able to go through the greatest loss of my life and, um, and arrive out the other side because I had a lot of people seeing me through and, and, and encouraging me and also giving me, you know, some subtle advice about how to do it, you know? And I remember one thing that John Walshans told me early on and he said, you know, this is going to be one of the most fertile times of growth of your entire life. And, don't, you know, don't try to get out of it too quickly because, you know, this is, this is shown up to really, you know, mold you and shape you and, and, and wait, awaken you to something that you might never wake up to otherwise. So I remember those words, you know, and, and also so many things that Richard had said just a few months before he died, you know, we were walking up this hill and he said to me, um, Chris, you know what I love about the human spirit? And I'm like, what, honey? <laughs> and he said, I love that there are people in this world that can take their greatest tragedy and allow it to move them forward so that their lives have greater meaning. And when he said that, you know, it was such a profound thing to say on a hike, you know, and I remember looking at him and he really was looking at me to make sure I was listening. 
And I, and I took that in and, you know, that really just came back to me so quickly amongst many other things that he had said, um, you know, throughout his whole life, you know, that the circumstances in life don't make or break you, but they reveal who you are. You know, these are the kinds of things, the deeper beliefs that when they're in your core and you, and they resonate with your soul, those are the kinds of things that really come back to, um, give you the best lead on how to go through, you know, a huge change and transition that's really rocked your life and shattered it. So one of those pieces behind, you talked about these principles that are um, all underneath the don't sweat the small stuff. And one of them is about the power of thought to weave your yes, reality. Yeah. So yeah. talk some about how that, I mean, you're, you, you're overwhelmed with thoughts and feelings and emotions at that point. How did you, how did you use that to move through uh, a lot of the the thoughts that often for some people lead to that other path of of victim you know they they um grab hold of those thoughts and make them reality so how did you use that to move around the other way yeah well that's a great question you know there's a couple of things that happened for me um when i was going through loss and one of them was i was so oversensitized to noise i couldn't like turn on the radio or the news or be, I, I would sit for hours in stillness after I got my kids ready for school, hours in stillness. And I could, I'm not like a sit still kind of girl, you know, really I meditate, but I have to really put effort into my meditation. And I, I could sit still for hours when I was, um, you know, in grief and one of the things that I started to realize is that, um, I could actually um, understand that the thought patterns that I was in were actually creating more grief for me. Mm -hmm. So I started to see these patterns, these tapes that I would play over and over again. Most of it had to do with the feelings of regret that I had, that I didn't know that Richard was sick. I would say things to myself like, oh my God, what kind of wife were you? You know, how come you didn't know? Like I would you know, I was, I would blame myself for his death, you know, and, and I started to see that and see how destructive that was for me personally, you know, and they always say like, you're, you're almost in some level trying to negotiate the past, you know, when you're going through that. And I was definitely doing that because, you know, it's like the first time in my life I had was faced with something I couldn't really change. There was nothing I could change about this. I, I mean, I couldn't, you know, I, by the time I heard Richard had been dead for an hour and a half, you know, and I, and that hit me like a ton of bricks, like, oh my God, there's nothing I can do. Like, I can't go talk to him. I can't go, you know, I can't do anything about this. This is a done deal. And, you know, just coming um, to terms with that was a huge part of, of my understanding that I had to, um, when I would think those things, you know, I would, it would send me into some of the worst grief, you know, that I would ever, and I, and I, you start to see those patterns so that you can start to catch yourself a little bit earlier in your thinking, you know, like you, you start to say things to yourself like, Oh, there I go again. You know, like it, you're I literally like, I, I literally talk myself off of the ledge and, you know, and, and it, but, but that's the beauty of, of stillness, isn't it? That when you're in stillness, 
these things become more clear to you because you're just sitting there. There's no noise. You know, you're just sitting there with your own thoughts. And I think the awareness that I had was so um, deep and I understood this, but never like I did in grief and never did I practice presence like I did in grief. I mean, it was a great teacher for me to learn truly how to be present and, um, and I was really blown away by that. And after a year of this, cause you know, I, I really didn't watch TV or read the newspaper or listen to the radio for like a year. That's a long time to practice presence. <laughs> that was a really long time, but it was great. I was like, wow, I am such a pres- more present person. Thank you, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> you probably didn't miss a whole lot in the news cycle <laughs> for that year either. So. <laughs> um, so one of the things that I think a lot of people play that tape, I, I always call it retroactive control, you know, where we're trying mm. in, in uh, rear view to figure out where we could have controlled or pretend like we could have controlled like oh why well, didn't I right. see that um, and and that's that is a one way of trying to renegotiate um, when I was a hospital chaplain people would often ask me um, why did that happen and I eventually mm-hmm. realized that they didn't really want me to try to explain why why did it happen they wanted mm-hmm. to find a way for it not to have happened and all of those conversations are, are almost attempts to redo but they're the, they're just thoughts um, that are running yep. around um, that end up anchoring us to those painful events, which makes me wonder. Whenever you write a book about your own um, your own situation, your own life, you go back to those places. How was yeah. that for writing this book? How, it was uh, how did you move through that process as you were writing this for because you wrote it for the world to see, not just for you. Yeah. Um- you know, I think that goes again back to presence. You know, I think when you're when you've when you're writing and revisiting something that you know has meaning for other people, it's quite different than um, revisiting it. You know, necessarily in the silence of your own mind. You know, for other reasons. You know, so I think I think because I have been on such a journey of helping other people and helping other people overcome um, their loss and moreover, you know, really helping people kind of get on this spiritual journey of growth, you know, to look at it this way. Um, it it was, there were aspects, there was a few stories in the book that I shared personally that were very difficult for me to recant. And, um, and yet, you know, I recant them. I probably will never talk about them unless I'm asked about them, you know, and, I don't, they don't have the same sting. You know, I dealt with a really a serious stalker right after Richard um, died. And that was probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to deal with along the parallel journey of grieving Richard's loss. So I kind of looked at that like, wow, I had some really interesting karma. <laughs> I'm like, whoa. <laughs> You know, I'm like, wow, I like, I don't know what is up, but this is just a crazy ride I'm on. And, you know, for quite a long time, um, I had to deal with that alongside, um, the, you know, grieving the loss of my beloved, you know? So I, you know, I learned a lot, man. I'm, I'm a strong cookie, you know, that's what I have to say. So, and that is part of the hero's journey is discovering that you had strengths that you never knew you had, uh, partly because they'd never been tested before. And that is part of your process. So one of the things I liked about uh, your book is that it has a journaling process for Mm people. This isn't one, uh, this isn't a passive book. 
It's, no, it's, no, it's a deep dive book. <laughs> yeah, it's not a curl up under the covers and just read through it and enjoy the read. You're asking people to go on that same journey. So let's yeah. let's talk some about how you see that unfold for people. Yeah, so one of the things that um, I thought would be really, because I wanted to write a transformational healing process book, you know, I felt that there must be a transformational process inherent in the book, right? So to not just expect people to have these amazing insights on their own, but to sort of lead them into an inquiry, you know, asking questions so that they go inside for their own answers so that they can, um, allow this, this information that, uh, to inform them of their own journey, you know, but to kind of give them breadcrumbs along the way. And so that, you know, they're not left to their own devices necessarily, you know, but at the back of each chapter, there's a, um, I call it a soul mantra because I find meditation to be so helpful. And um, if you don't mind me mentioning, I, I do have a gift that if you purchase the book, you can go to from heartbreak to wholeness.com and download those soul mantra guided meditations that I have um, recorded for you. Hmm. And they're quite lovely. They're about 10 minutes each. And then they are there to precede your soul inquiry and, the soul inquiry is a list of questions that I ask you to, um, you know, to answer. And then there's a, a writing process that follows that. And, you know, I found that there were two things that I have found over the years that um, have really healed people. And that is talking about their loss and writing about their loss. And so I just felt like those, those things really need to be included um, in this book. And, I think that the inquiry that that people will go through will will help them um, uncover and discover things about themselves that maybe they don't even realize exist. So one of the things you talk about, that, talking about the loss and writing about the loss, um, can um, can be a process where people get stuck if they're not careful, and and that's the difference. You you have an outline of how to move through it, not just mm-hmm. how to tell the tragic story but how right. to build the story after. And and so one of the things, just to be clear here, your book is not about um, grief after loss. It is about, lo- uh, let me say that, grief after death. It's about loss, period, and grief after any loss and how to deal with that. So It's about recovering from an identity crisis that causes you total heartbreak, you know, and that's people a go great through phrasing. Yeah. <laughs> People go through so many different heartbreaking circumstances in life. And, you know, I mean, you know, for example, you might, you know, you might have a child who becomes an addict, you know, that's, you haven't lost that child in a traditional sense of death, but you've lost that child while they're going through that addiction. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and it's, it's a heartbreaking process to, to watch somebody that you love you know, go through that and to overcome addiction, for example, it's a heartbreaking process to lose your house, you know, and all of your belongings. And that happens to so many people lately, it seems Mm. from, you know, all the natural disasters happening around the world. And it's a heartbreaking loss when somebody spends 40 years in a career and is asked to retire early, or you, you suddenly realize that your career is not you're not passionate about it and you have to figure out what you're going to do next or 
there's so many different circumstances. Um, when you get a health, you go into a health crisis. Mm-hmm. One of the really lead stories in this book um, is about one of my closest friends who went through breast cancer the year that I wrote this book. And I added, you know, her story in because it was so profound to me to watch her go through it as the hero. And I thought this is an amazing example for people because the chances that we are all going to experience a health crisis of one point or another is very strong for, you know, for our lifetime. So I felt that that was, I watched her go through the heartbreak of that diagnosis, you know? And so anyways, I, yeah, I think that, um, this is a way to a path to really being more than just resilient. It's a path to, um, learning and uncovering and discovering so many things about yourself and about ultimately how to live the most joyful life. Because I believe that when we, um, live our lives with meaning and we live our lives in this total richness of embracing all that is and with as much or as least resistance as possible, I think that's how we um, live the most joyful life. So at least it's worked pretty well for me. <laughs> well, so this, those are part of the ingredients I talk about with thriving. A lot of my stuff is about how to thrive in life. And my problem with resilience is always that it feels like it's about bouncing back to where you were. Yeah, and, exactly. And that's not where there's nowhere. That, I mean, you got to go somewhere different. And thriving is about how you take on those challenges. And uh, and those challenges are I love that identity loss, because that is every grief. At some point, you have to reimagine for you, what does it mean to be uh, without Richard with not being a part of that, uh, that relationship, your family changing your your um, everything, everything. Yes. I mean, um, everything's threatened. For me, uh, I had a health crisis uh, 15 years ago. And one of the things I walked away with, I realized there was a loss of innocence to it. You know, I mean, I was yeah. young when it happened. And I, I thought I was in it for you know, decades and decades. And suddenly the doctor's going, yeah, not so long. And, um, and so you have, even for you, that was true that, um, at, you know, he was 45. Is that right? Yeah. yeah so, I was 43. He was 45. Yeah. I was barely out of my 30s. You're not thinking about <laughs> with the end game, you know? No, and so no. there's a loss there of identity and that happens in every loss. Um, a lot of the people that I communicate with are um, wa- facing a, a marriage that's in trouble. And, you know, so many times they've said, yeah, I just want to get back to the marriage I had. And I'm like, ah, you, you really don't. <laughs> you know, no, you, thanks. Let's get right. somewhere different. So, yeah, that's such a great point. I mean, that's like the whole idea that, you know, it's not just enough to survive, like you really want to thrive. Mm-hmm. I mean, it isn't enough to just survive any loss. I mean, that's just the basics. Like survival means you eat, you eat, breathe and sleep for, you know, for a while. And then you get, you need, you need to move past that. You need mm-hmm. to move forward and, and make steps toward moving forward. And that survival part is for me, um, a beginning point, you know, in the process, mm-hmm. right after loss, you really are scrambling to survive. You're, you know, uh, oh, totally. trying to just to eat and sleep and keep moving through the day is the mode you're in. And then you yes. come to that fork, uh, and that we've, we've already talked about. And, and then the fork carries on. Um, so here's what I really love about this work. 
one a part of the hero's journey is that the hero who you know and and that that term is tough to use but we're going to stay with it since joseph campbell gave it to us and and (laughs) so you're on a journey um that you didn't know you were going to be on and you have to have someone guide you because you've never been here before and Mm -hmm. so when i asked you you know how did you move through that you named guides whether they were actual people or resources that's what this is about. Um, you're trying mm-hmm. to provide people on the path a guide through that dark forest. Yeah. And not only that, but um, what I love about it is it's um, you start with knowing there's a place to come out. And mm. you can claim that in ways that a lot of people can't because you you and come out is always a process, right? I mean, it's, there's always more life to live and more things to do, but um, you come out of the darker period, that darker forest of grief to uh, something new. And so uh, if, just for a few minutes, talk about how, who would you like to, if, if you could put this in the hands of the right people, who would those right people be? Oh, wow. Well, you know, I like to think of, I like to try and write from, not age representative, you know, cause I feel like there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of young people that could really benefit from a book like this where there's just, it's so rich in wisdom. Um, but I think the person that I would really want to read would really want to have this in their hands is a person that knows that they've been through something traumatic and really knows there's something something that they want to gain from it, you know, and, and that this book will really help them, um, get the maximum amount of growth that they can have out of this tragedy. Cause you know, I, I'm just like a really, when I was going through my last, I was like, Oh my God, how do people do this? Like, you know, I mean, I was like, Oh my God, this is like, I don't even, I, I, I knew all the tools I had and it was the toughest thing. You know, I was, it was really, really tough. And, I just, um, I really just want to give people a lot of hope and encouragement and, you know, and let them know they're not alone, um, as they go through really difficult times, you Mm -hmm. know, that change and transition is, is really, it's, it's hard on most people. It's hard on almost everyone. I know very few people that would welcome any huge change and transition, like the loss of their partner with a smile on their face. I don't think any of them would, unless they really don't like their life partner. And and that's a whole different question. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) right? (laughs) One of the stories I wrote in the book was about this woman that woke up, that uh, walked up to me at a gas station and she said, I think, I think it's easier when they die. Mm. You know, she was going through a divorce, you know, and it really stung, you know, because I mean, I, I understood what she meant, but I was like, no, you know, even if you're not with, if you weren't with him, even though you feel like you hate him, if he died, you would not feel that way. You know, like you would, you would go through grief, you know, cause you're married to this person. But I understood what she meant that when people go through divorce, you know, there's a lot of anger and, um, and there's a lot of other emotions that you have to deal with, but you know, you go through that when you lose somebody too, you know, there's, there's all those same emotions. It's just different, you know, because you do feel kind of angry. I mean, geez, you know, how, you know, you wonder like, how did they open, how did their spirit open to this? Like I was, I asked Richard that, like every time I see him in my dreams, he's laying on a hammock with a big <laughs> smile on his face. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I'm like, I'm like in a panic, like, oh my God, there you are, there you are. And he's like, well, hell yeah, I've been here all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but you, but you don't get it. Like, this has been hard, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's like, no, no, I don't sweat the small stuff. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, what, what's interesting, you're, you're talking about the person who came up to you. It's interesting how uh, grief is so individual. We all experience it, but it becomes so individual because it feels so powerful to you. And you can't imagine whatever your circumstance, it's, it's different. For, it's you know worse for somebody else. It, and so we always do that pay, please, that place where we take it down. And that's so part of my, um, you know, who would I want your book to be in? And that would be um, not everybody, just the ones who experience loss in their life. <laughs> so I'm not sure who that really rules out, but, you know, <laughs> maybe someone's been lucky so far, which, which makes me wonder if if somebody comes and says, you know, I'm, I'm hurting now and I need a starting point. What what's your starting point? Well, you know, it's tricky because I, you know, I was sharing with you um, prior to our recording that, you know, some people have come up to me lately and they're like, I tried to start your book and I couldn't start it. You know, I just am not ready and I feel really raw. Um, you know, your, your starting point is really when you decide you want something more and you want to heal and you want to know how to heal. You know, that's really when you decide that you're ready to heal you can dive into this book. You don't have to maybe dive into all the writing exercises right away. This is a book that, you know, should stay on your bookshelf and that you should go back to and go to the sections when you're ready to write them, you know, like, but to know that there's a template for healing, to see the path ahead of time will help you know where to go. You know, it'll light your path. It And, you know, the stories, there's a lot of stories in this book. It's not just my story. Um, I've written a book called Heartbroken Open, A Memoir Through Loss to Self-Discovery, which is a really fantastic book for somebody who is, you know, four months into their loss because, you know, it's it's a memoir and it'll bring my story becomes your story. And and that might be really helpful, too. But this book is is more of a here's here's how you can go if you choose to go. Here's the path. I'm going to show you how to do it. And that can come at a lot of different places. Um, yep. we, we were talking that so for some people, they're ready very quickly. You know, they mm-hmm. uh, especially if it's something they kind of saw coming. You know, they've done some preemptive grief. They saw it coming. And by the time it comes, they're like, OK, I've got to I've got to get beyond this. For others, it takes a while to to do the yeah. survival piece to get there. And um, so if somebody found themselves kind of in the grief right now, um, what, what do you think you, you talked about that voice saying there's got to be something more, but what are some other signs that maybe life's calling them to something else, something bigger, something bigger than they knew? Well, I mean, I was, um, when, when I hear that, I, I want to describe awakening, you know, when, when you, when you feel awake suddenly, um, to life in a new way and you, and you weren't awake prior, that's kind of what happened to me. I mean, I wouldn't have described myself as a, as, as an asleep person, but at that point in my life, you know, my kids were growing up and, um, I was in my early forties. I had written don't sweat the small stuff in love with Richard and don't sweat the small stuff for women, but I hadn't really owned a career in writing yet. And quite frankly, right prior to that, I remember saying to Richard, well, I really feel like this calling to write, but I have no idea what I'm going to say. 
<laughs> you know, I felt like, I don't know what I'm supposed to write about. And then boom, you know, oh, okay, here it is. <laughs> you know, this is what I'm going to write about, you know? And, you know, so I think that if you have that feeling of that suddenly you've woken up to life um, in a new way, life looks different, but also it looks somewhat brighter, you know? I mean, I, I, I remember um, noticing, like, and I still do, the sky and, you know, just the beauty around me so much more. And I think there's a, an aspect of maybe needing to grasp onto life, maybe needing to look for the beauty because there's so much darkness. And, and that might be, you know, something that happens to you where you're, you know there's more, but you don't quite understand how to get there, you know, and, um, and I'll tell you that there's not really a true shortcut to grieving loss. Like you kind of just have to go through the process and your process will be different than mine. Um, and, but the emotional piece is, is pretty substantial. And I think giving yourself a lot of time and self care and time to heal is really important. And, you know, that means like for those of you who work and you can't, you know, you've got to get back to work or whatever, you know, there's still, it's having quieter weekends. It's not filling your life up with a lot of busyness because society will tell you, you know, when you're going through grief and loss to be busy, mm -hmm. busy yourself. So you don't have to think about it. Well, it's not so much thinking about it. It's feeling it, you know, that, you know, you've got this, you've got this chasm in your life now and it's going to create a lot of feelings for you. And you've got to give yourself uh, plenty of um, longitude and latitude to go through those feelings and to discover those and, and just to be in it, you know, like it's like what, what John Walshans told me earlier when I, when I said earlier that he said, you know, this is some of the most fertile ground that you'll ever stand on, you know, don't waste this time. A lot of times when I'm talking with people about their grief, you know, they're like, how do I get out of this? And my response is, you can't, you can't speed it up, but you can sure slow it down. Yeah. And that's, that's what the process is about, is how do you move through it, not faster than you can, but as fast or, or as efficiently as you can in, in ways that allow the growth that needs to happen. And uh, that, that all happened for you, uh, partly because you were intentional but I also noticed that you put that in the book. This is a book of intention. How do yeah. I move through this to get something else? So, uh, Chris, t talk a little bit about how if people are um, wanting to make contact with this and, and you mentioned your website. So let's talk a little bit about how they might find out more. Obviously, go to the bookstore and grab your book. <laughs> so just yeah, talk some about Amazon. that or Amazon. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Yeah, there's the gifts on the from heartbreak to wholeness dot com site, and then my site, christinecarlson.com, um, houses my blog and my podcast. I got to have you on my podcast. <laughs> I'd love to. <laughs> houses my blog and my podcast. Um, Don't sweat the small stuff, live the big stuff, and um, yeah, and I do retreats and all sorts of stuff. Um, a writing program for people who want to um, take their hero's journey and put it into a book or a healing book for others. Um, I'm doing all sorts of different stuff now that I never thought I'd be doing, <laughs> which is makes life super fun. <laughs> uh, and, and that's, you know, the, one of the things that um, I think is always true is when we're walking that, that path or fears, 
And it's not whether you have the fears, but do you let the fears hold you back? And and you haven't, yeah. you know, that was, um, I remember some conversations over four years ago where you're kind of going, okay, what do I do from here? You know, this, this yeah. is a new chapter. And, um, and you wanted to make sure that Richard's stuff continued on, but you also wanted to make sure that your voice came out and, and you've done that, uh, which is yeah, uh, thank you. all about the new life that you've discovered and the new life that you've you've kind of that the hero journey that takes you to a place uh, where you're then kind of offering back part of that journey. And that's the power of this. Chris, thank you so much for being here again. This has been great. Yeah, this thank has been you, fun. Lee. Yeah. So uh, I will make sure that there are links to how to get to your site and other places in the show notes. And uh, we want to make sure. And again, I said jokingly, this isn't for everybody. It's just for the people who have a loss. But <laughs> that pretty much is everybody. <laughs> so let's make sure that if anybody is going, how do I get through this loss thing? Uh, we can find you. So we'll make sure that the links are in the notes and people can follow that. Oh, thanks so much. It's been such a pleasure again, and you're a wonderful host and great conversation. Thank you. Thanks for being here. You've been listening to the Thrivology Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thrivology.com or at thrivologymagazine.com. Remember that Thrivology is spelled T-H-R-I-V-E-O-L-O-G-Y. It's your life. Time to live it. Thank you.